So you think you can manage. We are the So You Think You Can Manage podcast. I am your step-in host for tonight, Shane. I'm joined, uh, as always, now with Biscuit, and I am taking over for the evening for Andrew. Andrew's wrapping up his uh, his semester. Uh, he is an athletic director so uh, for a university, so his life is far more interesting than ours. Uh, and he is currently, I believe, calling some live baseball games as opposed to what we are doing here where we are just ripping games via the internet to one another and it's glorious so biscuit how are you i'm doing good man i'm happy to be back for another week thankfully the phillies hopefully are uh, starting to put it together at least on offense a little bit i always like when we can record during the games too i always think it's a lot of fun reacting Um, and whatnot um so so i'm excited to jump on with you tonight i uh so i'm the same and i so for as long as I've been podcasting, I have been the world's absolute worst host and co-host when games are going on. There was a time where we were recording during a Flyers game. Mm-hmm. I did not realize. I got so into my rant at the moment. I didn't realize that we were in intermission. And they were showing a replay of a Flyers goal. And I went ballistic. And everyone was looking at me like, dude. That happened 20 minutes ago. And I was just out of my, because I was just so, it, oh, it was awful. So I am, uh, but I am just for your knowledge, I am, um, I have this streaming as well. So I don't know if now you might be ahead of me for the first time ever when we well, talk. That's the, that's the mystery of it. it no. It's whoever makes the oh shit face first. And we're like, oh, oh what did you see? What did you say? Um, that, <laughs> that, that's the fun part. That's the fun part. Oh, and then, yeah. like, you know, I get to like, kind of like not say anything to you, one of like, or whoever not say anything till the next person sees it. Um, so oh, yeah. it, it's fun. It's fun. I dig it. Um, but let's, let's jump into some stuff here. So, um, I do want to start with the thing that's been most pressing on my mind since it happened. Ever since Bryce Harper released that ball to home plate and I saw him wince down and go down with elbow pain, like I was just sick to my stomach as if it were my elbow and I was out there. Uh, something about when your MVP face and pulse of the franchise, you know, goes down in any particular way. Now, again, it, it, we're told that it's absolutely not affecting his swing and that's great. Um, but the implication of a Harper to the DH spot only for the for any amount of you know continued time is so alarming and it just triggers so many just what if factors so i've been like pooping myself just out of fear over this as to what's going on i'm sitting here thinking the cliff lee flexor tendon where he just disappeared from the face of the earth and has never been heard from again i'm like i'm freaking right the hell out and everything harper does is so violent right he just does everything with so much intensity even when he throws he's got that hard elbow whip down not unlike a very young pitcher you know he's a Mm -hmm. kid who grew up throwing you know 99 miles an hour at the age of 17 like he he was just a freak but that wears on you right so you know i want to know for you you know one how concerned are you obviously we just got the report yesterday that harper did throw uh and he noted that he still doesn't feel right. And so for right now, he's going to continue to DH, but he did reiterate that DHing, there is no trouble whatsoever in the swing. But how concerned are you going forward at this point after yesterday's news after two weeks off? 
I mean, yeah, it's concerning for sure for, for multiple for multiple different reasons. One, like you said, that's your MVP. Um, you don't want him dealing with any type of injury whatsoever, let alone one that could potentially be seizing ending if it if it really progresses or or gets worse in any regard. Um, so having him just DH is is not ideal for that reason alone. Another thing too is not that Harper's I think a great defensive right fielder, but he's certainly an upgrade, I think, over over um, Nick Castellanos. And, uh, and although Castellanos has been able to hold his own, um, you know, you, you can look to the last couple of nights, he's made a few good plays in right field, and that's fine, and honky-dory and all. But, um, you know, you just expect him to make those routine plays and catch the ball in front of him. You're not going to have that stellar defense night in and out. Not that you get that with Harper, but I think there's an improvement there. So I think it kind of, you know, hits on the defense a little bit as well. Um, offensively, you know, I, I guess it's good that he could still be in the lineup. I just have I, I just have serious concern over guys playing through injury just because, you know, as much as it sucks in the moment to not have you in the lineup or not have you for an extended period of time, I'm even more mortified to think how it could affect the rest of your entire career and not having you at all. And given how long we have Bryce Harper signed to, mm-hmm. I don't want to risk an injury that that could affect him for the rest of his career. And this is certainly something that, you know, I think I was listening to the um, Phillies Talk podcast earlier today, and Jim Salisbury mentioned that it wasn't the Tommy John ligament that's affected. But still, anytime you're having problems with your throwing arm and your elbow or anything like that, it just – it should be shut down. It feels like it should be shut down, and they're not going that route. Um, You know, he's gotten off to a slow start to the year offensively. His bat – as of late has looked like it's picking up. So you like to think that maybe it isn't affecting the swing and maybe he is able to flourish in this role for an extended period of time, but you still got to worry about it, you know, definitely getting a lot worse. And, um, you know, hopefully, hopefully it is something he's back soon, but it just, you're not, you're not getting that idea right now. There doesn't feel like there's a sound timetable on it, which is also, um, kind of nerve wracking. Yeah, so you bring up a couple points there that, that I kind of want to hit on, and, and they're the, the same types of fears that that I have with this entire process, right? You know, I don't know, you know, we emotions aside, we don't know the severity of this injury. It, it could genuinely just be a discomfort thing, but you hear tendon strain of any kind, and, you know, that is a partial tear is what you're dealing with and and how a person's body you know comes back from that and naturally heals it's going to vary by person by person and you're of the of the mindset of like you would rather shut this guy down and i don't disagree but i i think the harm right now is not in the fact that you're deciding whether or not to shut him down and how that might impact this season or, or this timeline but this is the type of thing where it's like, if we're just going to play Bryce Harper as a DH when we spent big money to sign two DHs, that impacts so much of the day-to-day lineup for this year, and you're already not playing to the capacity that you should be able to be playing with this roster as it was constructed, right? Mm-hmm. So then when you go and say you hit late June, July, you're starting to hit August, and maybe it really seems like this team is just the playoffs aren't in question, right? Like we're not a championship team at this point. And the organization decides, you know what? Thank you for giving it the try. 
I think we're going to have to shut you down now. Well, now what happens if it happened? And I didn't actually had not yet listened to the Phillies talk podcast uh, with Salisbury and uh, uh, Seidman. So I did not yet know whether or not it was or was not the Tommy John ligament. But regardless, it's still a surgery and still would be considered a major surgery considering what it, <laughs> what we need him to do. You'd be done for the year. It's not even just the year. I'm worried about how he comes back early next season. Like what oh, is right, the right. time? So you're you're juggling this thing right now where it's like, okay, do we get ahead of this and we say let's clean it up and let's have the surgery and maybe you're back in three months, four months, back for the end of the year, whatever it might be, maybe. Or you shut it down and you just say, you know what? We're gonna have to just gear up for next year and this is what it is. And you get them totally right going into next season. And that's my big concern is how deep into the season do you wait to make that call? Because if you don't, if you're in a, in a pennant race all the way up through September, like we hope to God we are, and we're in a position to go to the playoffs again, like he's not coming out the lineup. That means you're getting off season surgery. And now all of a sudden you're starting three, four months into the next season on the DL. And it's just, it's, it's terrifying to see what this could turn into as the team is constructed in a way that says, I'm expecting him to be in right field night in and night out. Right. And that's well, tough. well, it's certainly it's 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 the long game here, man. You know, as as you want Bryce Harper here for a good time and a long time, not just a good time. <laughs> but but seriously, you know, there needs to be with a contract like this. Like now, obviously, in, in the back end of Bryce Harper's deal, I doubt he's going to be that good. I don't like you know with, with how violent his swing is now. Like I just don't see him going to be able to carry the, the at least the same momentum as he as he gets you know a little bit older. Um. But but you have to think about these things. You're absolutely sure. right. Uh, w- without Bryce Harper, you lose what you've made the face of the franchise. Like that's not someone you can go without. And unfortunately, this team isn't constructed where they can't they they can't survive without their best player. That's just the bottom line. They need their best horses. That's why Zach Wheeler is so important to the pitching, and that's why Bryce Harper is so important to the offense because they are the cream of their crop. And without them, without them, this whole project doesn't work. Um, so yeah, dude. Like I I I really wish, and like in a perfect world, I I wish you know guys and players have you know their their way of saying and knowing their limits but i don't know if bryce is like pushing through something like it you know it's like because mm-hmm. his bat his bat hasn't looked any better or worse than than it's kind of been all season long at this point since um since the injury has been reported so you you like to think that it really isn't affecting his swing and i i you know based off eye test alone since he's been getting a little hotter it doesn't look like it is but um you just got to think about this man and making sure that you're, you know, doing everything in your power to make sure that this is as sustainable as it can be throughout the next several years. Um, but it's, it's not fun to, it's just not fun right now. It's not fun to see. Yeah. It's tough, you know, and you know, like just full, well, you know, you're watching Sunday night baseball and Harper's getting interviewed for what felt like three innings of the game. And it's like, you know, he doesn't want to be talking to you right now. Like, it's just you can tell and he's done a phenomenal job in my opinion at staying involved and keeping the the right attitude but you know that that's not what he wants to do he's a very prideful guy and he likes playing both sides of the the game um but you you mentioned there too that that you just you need you need your dudes to be your dudes right you need to be able to lean on harper to be the mvp 
type of player. You need to be able to lean on your ace of the rotation to be the ace of the rotation. So let's talk a little bit about the, the, the pitching. Obviously, the starting pitching in large part, I think the only pitcher that really got extended spring look was Nola, right? And the rest of this rotation was very much question marks, right? So, you know, Wheeler doesn't throw at all. Ranger has, you know, multiple issues, uh, you know, coming into the season. Eflin is always hurt with something and, and can't, you know, go fully ready for the uh, for the spring. Kyle Gibson's fine, too. But it was a real slow start for uh, for this, this staff, and it really taxed the bullpen. We're starting to see at least a little bit more uh, – a little bit better of performances, certainly the last two performances, uh, you know, from the starting pitching. And I'm wondering now two things. One, are you starting to feel better? Like, you know what, this is probably the natural quote unquote spring training exit. And guys are a little bit more ready to what we would have be accustomed to seeing at the beginning of an April or first two weeks of an April. And they're starting to catch their role, which is a great thing. And two, if that is the case, do you believe, because you had mentioned before, uh, either last week or the week before, your massive concerns about Wheeler, and I, I believe them as well. If those other four pieces in the rotation find themselves in a little bit more of a groove, do you think that allows for Wheeler to kind of fall back and be a two or three for a little bit while he gets his feet back under him? And he, he doesn't have that impending pressure of, I need to be the stopper. I need to be the guy. I need to be the scion candidate they paid me to be. How much do you think that plays for Wheeler? And then go ahead. So I'll answer. Let me do the second part first. Yeah. Um, Wheeler uh, going back to a two or a three, I, I don't think is what he needs to do. You know, I, I don't think him pitching to like a sub three, two ERA is like a number two or number three, but if he reverts to that, I, I think that's good enough and still fine, but I do think you need some consistency still there. And I think you still, if not the stopper, you need him to still be able to shove in a big game um, because it's just another one of those things, you know, as, as good as Aaron Nola has been and as, you know, decent enough, we think the ceiling can be for Zach Eflin, Ranger Suarez and Kyle Gibson. Um, it's still just not enough there. It's the same with the offense and Bryce almost. You this whole this whole you know this whole operation thrives under the contingency that you're getting at least all-star caliber performances from those two guys. So going back to a two or a three, I just don't think I just don't think works. It certainly wouldn't be for an extended time, but just. To get himself going, well, yeah, not I mean, feel the pressure for the next, of the if ace. You're, if you're saying like until June, that's one thing. But exactly. if you're saying if you're saying you know they're not going to start really you know trying to to push him until August or September. No. Um, I, I I think that's no. gonna be too late in the game. You need so to he's thrown the least event of any of the guys, mm-hmm. you know, and he was dealing with the the injury concerns coming in. Um, right. You know, so th- there was a lot working against him and there there you can tell they're being pretty cautious and you can tell that he just isn't the same guy right now. You talked about it you know, last week with him, with his velocity, you know, sitting around 94, 95, as opposed to the 97 to 99. And, and you know, those that extra velocity means something for power pitchers now because he's not at a point in his career where he has to go the Granky route and learn how to pitch with less velocity. Mm-hmm. He's still young enough and, and uh, you know, he doesn't I mean, last year through a ton of innings, but overall career wise, like he's not, he hasn't labored so much that you right. can expect that down tilt, but 
to give him those, you know, pitchers get down there a couple of weeks early. You know, they, they work on their stuff, then they get, you know, gradually put into a place where, okay, now we're good with you to just go and, and feel the game, right? If you're going 110 pitches tonight and in eight innings, we feel good about it. 120 pitches, we feel good about it. They're not there yet, and he's not there yet. So to get him there, do you think that those four other guys starting to piece it together, he can maybe take a, because he looks like he's pressing to me on the mound, is I guess what I'm saying, through these starts, these most recent, especially the Miami one. Well, I'll say this much. It certainly, I feel like, takes the pressure off a little bit. I think there's still an expectation. You know, there, there's going to be there's going to be some expectation. He's coming off the best season of his career. The expectation is going to be there. But no, if you're getting healthy performances and sound performances from the other four guys, it takes the pressure off Wheeler, and it takes the pressure off. I, I think Joe Girardi in the bullpen too, and you can manage his workload a little bit easier. So it does help a lot. And, and regards to the other four starters um yes it does kind of look like they're starting to get their sea legs under them and you're starting to see a little bit more consistency a little bit more um you know solid outings and stuff like that i mean aaron nola the other the other game um right. it, it was just so good to see a, a good aaron nola pitching performance um i get the brewers lineup isn't anything too sexy they're certainly not you Doesn't know matter man no, for sure, for sure. Um, so it it was an it was a nice game. I, I mean, it was the Angel Hernandez game, so you know, might might have got a little you know got a little help from you know from from Helen Keller behind the mound, <laughs> um, or behind the behind the dish, I should say. Um, but it, it, it's encouraging. You hope that it's sustainable. Injury is still the biggest concern with this. Jesus Christ. Oh my God! Tell tell me what happened. Aduba just hit a nuke, dude. A nuke. Okay. After I bitched about him leading off earlier. And what did I say? You told me it won't kill us for one night. For and one I night. Uh, I just I just can't I do hate stand Aduba. Yeah, he's just so fucking frustrating. Um, but yeah, the, the the rotation's been encouraging. Good. So you mentioned the Angel Hernandez game, and and this is something that I, I want to I do want to talk about. And I want to have like an actual like conversation here mm-hmm. about this, not just a, a blatant vent session, which you and I are both prone to do in most of our conversations and time on this show and all shows. Um, but this is something that like I've I've debated with people for a long time now. Um, I still remember it, it was it was Cole Hamels pitching in the two thousand uh, in the two thousand eight postseason right and he's on the mound i had bought my first hd television and i didn't and i had had it for months didn't know that there were hd channels so i still wasn't watching an actual high def and i stumbled upon it accidentally and i remember seeing like grains of dirt on the mound and i'm like oh my god this is the clearest thing i've ever seen we have that luxury now, right? People's TVs in their homes are bigger and bigger and bigger. That's right in front of our face. We have the luxury of seeing this from a different point of view without the obstruction of a, of a catcher, without 45,000 fans behind us, without uh, you know hitters in the box who you know are going to give you shit in two sides of the dugout and a guy on the mound is staring daggers at your heart. It's a hard job to do, and it's not one that I would ever sign up to do as umpire, correct? So... <clears throat> With that said, on perhaps one of the most brutal games we've seen called from a strike zone perspective, 
Aaron Hernandez br- brings up a, a, a concern across Major League Baseball right now, and that is with the umpiring. So there's a couple things I want to kind of tackle here. One, how much do you attribute the advancements of technology, the reliance of, of replay, and social media, along with the graph, the real-time graph that is on the screen, how much do you attribute that to how bad we perceive these umpires to be. Because I got to be honest, I don't believe that 20 years ago, before these TVs existed in this capacity, replay what it was, social media is what it was. The the graphs and stat cast did not exist. It wasn't something that was so overly cognizant every second of every game. I think they still probably fucking sucked. But we didn't know it that much. And only the most keen of eyes could sit there and say, that's a bad call. What happened now? Uh, Bryce, uh, Bryce got a single. All right. Um, so it's on behind me, so I keep not turning around. Um, I don't have. If you don't want me to say anything, I'll stop trying to react to it. No, 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 man. This is my, this is. I get to. This is a rarity. Usually, I have to inform you. Guys. Usually, you're the first one. Yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, I get to be on this side of the equation. But how much could, do you attribute those things? Shane, I feel like this is something we could talk about for hours, man. Um, okay. you know. The 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 impl- you know the impact of social media and the advanced technology we have today, of course, it advances our, our conversations on on the umpires and the jobs that we do. You know, we have the technology. You to think also, that's fair? Um, I, I think. You know what? I I don't think it's something that should be. I don't think it's necessarily unfair. You know, there should be a level of accountability you're ha- that that sure. needs to be had with your job. Um. You know, at the end of the day, do I think if you when they give you the box on the screen to show you the strike zone, if it's, you know, a little off or, you know, a little off one of the edges or a little down or up in the zone, you know, interpretations of the strike zone by the umpire are always going to vary. So you're mm-hmm. always going to see calls that it's going to look like, oh, it's off the plate or, or or stuff like that. But when you look at the advanced technology with like stat cast and, and even just looking at watching games with your own eyes, you can tell when a ball is very clearly a ball and it's just wrong when it's caught a strike. And that was on full display in, in that game sure. the other night by Angel Hernandez. You could, you could be, you, you could have only one working eyeball and be able <laughs> to tell with, with not perfect vision and to be able to tell he was not calling strikes accurately. So while, while, you know, it does add an additional level level of scrutiny that I think umpires have to endure. I think it also brings a sincere level of accountability that needs to be there as well, because this is fucking dog shit. And this is a it's fucking terrible. embarrassment. And you have this on national television and it's just a bad product for the game. And, 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 you know, it's just so bad. You wonder, you're, you're sitting there watching as a spectator and you're like, can this guy even fucking see? Mm-hmm. Or is he just doing it to be a jerk off? Because I can't tell. I genuinely cannot tell. And, and, and you know, I, I hope someone perp- – like, like, it almost feels like he just wants to make it about him. Like it almost kind of reminds me of Joe West in a sense. Sure. It, it, it's me, me, me. It's my show. It's my world. I'm the ringleader. You guys are my circus – you know, my circus animals. That's what it feels like to me sometimes. Um and and so, like I said, you know, while it does add that level of scrutiny, it, it, it really shows how – 
like there's really no accountability when it comes to umpires um, and, and especially calling balls and strikes behind the plate. And th- there's just no accountability there. And I think the presence of social media at least adds that accountability by the fans, at least like the umpire scorecards on Twitter. And, and you know, people are so connected on sure. various social media platforms uh, more so than they've ever been before. So when something's, you know, being discussed or talked about, you know, Twitter or any platform, it's being discussed by thousands of people. So um, it, it has a huge impact in that regard. Um, but, but, you know, it certainly doesn't hold anyone accountable in, in regards to their job security. So while, while you know, we as fans see it and talk about it, it, it doesn't seem like it matters much to, um, to, to the people who uh, oversee their jobs. So accountability is such a big thing in all across all workforces, right? And you know when there is not fear uh, of general repercussion for for anything that may go on, what happened? Nothing happened yet. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> but uh, we don't necessarily we don't know what happens behind closed doors. We don't know if someone's sitting there and and genuinely saying, you know, coming back to him with like a, a report card of your of your game, like hey, like. This is how many you blatantly missed. These are how many that were borderline, but given the feel of that game, like pretty unacceptable. The one person who did hold him accountable, and it didn't happen until the ninth inning, was Kyle Schwarber. And in, in my opinion, one of the, if you can be classy whilst losing your shit, I feel like Kyle Schwarber did it. You know, it, it was one of those moments where it was like, and he acknowledged it himself, and you can see it reading his lips. You can see it with the gestures. He says, all fucking night for this or for our side, for their side, everywhere. It's inside, it's outside, it's up, it's down. You have no idea what you're doing right now. This is egregious. He holds him accountable. Now, this is where I want to take this point. Do you know who comes out and say, and looks like he has zero interest in protecting his guys or protecting the sport of baseball our fucking skipper all all ship range joe girardi joseph freaking barardi coming out there wow my bad did you just use my did i say too maybe we did i don't know i'll have to listen back god i hate having a name that sounds almost identical to that man it sucks but here, here's here's where i'm at with this you know one i'm shocked that it took until the ninth inning now there was a lot of there was a lot of play from both sides, pitchers and batters throughout that entire game. Like there was a lot of like, are you kidding me stances on call on called third strikes? There was a lot of, you know, pitchers and, taking a lap around the mound after they, you know, like Aaron Nola threw what should have been a, a, a third strike call uh, on a two seam, you know, fastball on the hip. Uh, and he just didn't get the call and he you know took the extra breath, but no one really confronted him in that manner. And, Joe has the opportunity in a city that fucking hates him and a clubhouse that genuinely looks like they don't give a shit about him either to go out there and stand up for your guys. He was calm as anything going out there. He just looked dejected and just like, meh, whatever. I don't know. To me, that was almost a more egregious thing to witness a guy who just clearly doesn't have it anymore doesn't have the passion for it, doesn't have the energy or drive. He's just exhausted. What does that tell your front office? What does that tell Dombrowski? What does that tell Middleton? And what does it tell your superstars on your team about your manager, who is essentially a lame duck manager right now too? You know, like 
Why is he here? If you can't go out there and have just a modicum of energy to support your team, to support your guys, and to support the game of baseball, mind you, because it was egregious for both sides. Why are you here? If you don't want to be here, the fuck out. Go Ryan Sandberg it and just say, I'm I'm walking away from this now. I've had enough. I don't get it, man. How, if you're the manager and you see Kyle Schwarber finally do this, what's your response? I certainly wouldn't walk out there like a like a dog with my tail in between my legs, roll it over, you know, boohooing. Um, like 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 from what I remember, and there well, and no, there have been moments where that Joe Girardi's gotten fired up on the Phillies, and you've seen that passion, and you've seen that energy. Oh, yeah. Bring it, Joe. Bring it. It's a better fucking product when you bring it. It, it, it show, and you, like you said, it shows your team that there's energy, that there's life, that you give a shit about the you know game that's unfolding right in front of your eyes. Yep. I mean, I just don't know. This man just misses the mark time after time after time. Yep. And and to your point about Schwarber, yeah. Um, you know, what What I liked most about the ejection, it wasn't a me, me, me ejection. It, it was no. about it, it was it was about the product that was, it was on protecting display. the game. It, it was protecting the game. And it was saying, hey, this is a fucking embarrassment to yep. the thing we all get up and do every day. And you know what? Joe, Girard, Joe Girardi's follow up action was an embarrassment to the team for not bringing the same energy and that same passion that your fucking player who's struggling, who's not even doing well right now. But he had more passion than you yep. fucking do. So it's just, it, go ahead. It's a complete embarrassment. And it is something where you, you kept using the word accountability. And it's one of my favorite words uh, and one of my favorite philosophies, because I don't believe that enough people hold themselves accountable, nor do those above them uh, and who should be holding you accountable. We've gotten to a place where where it's it's almost a taboo action. It's how do how do we go about this conversation? And, and, and it's. It's brutal. It's almost like the devil you know versus the devil you don't. Find, you know, find us something that's different. If someone, if it's someone's first game out there and they look like ass, I don't care. I do not care. Let them get warmed up. Let them go. Like I'm tired of the consistent problems being able to exist and impact the game. No one is coming out there to see number 128 in black sit there and call a fucking game, and they have to recognize that they have a role in these games. But it can't be that. It can't be to be the guy. Who the fuck likes a baseball story? When, when do you ever hear a good baseball story about an umpire? Yeah, does not happen. You know, you know what I mean? Casey like, at the bat. Like, uh, unfortunately, it's one of those things you just – it's not your show. So you don't get paid the millions of dollars to – no one, no one you know, buys tickets to, to come see you like you said. Um, so, so just be better. Be better so this, because it's just a bad product. So this begs the question, and, and this is this is another one, and then we're gonna we're gonna move off the the umpiring thing because you're right. We could theoretically have an entire show on this. Oh um, yeah, and maybe we maybe we will. Maybe we'll have an off season discussion on on it, um, you know, or an all star week um, discussion. But this begs the question, and this is a debate that I've had with people as well. I am firmly of the stance that emotion in the game, especially a game like baseball, where Let's be honest. It can drag. Of all yeah. four of the, the core major sports here, you know, 
there are times where it is jazz music in the background and it's just like yeah all right we're good here now not to us we're, we're the diehards that sit here and watch every single pitch but to the casual fan it's brutal so if, if there can be an influx of emotion i think it's a really good thing and so that's why i'm not in favor of what i'm about to bring up but i am curious as to what your thoughts and philosophies are with how bad the umpiring and refereeing just officiating all across sports with as bad as it has gotten is it time to genuinely and seriously consider robot umps and to just sit there and take the human element out of the officiating and try to get as far or try to get as close excuse me to the perfection of a call that you possibly can no no, because you're absolutely right. There's something endearing about the human element and yeah. the emotions that are on display. It's an exciting part of the game, but I think it just needs to be on the umpires to be better. You know, you are a part of this game. You you are a part of the show. You can be a part of the show. Just don't make it all about yourself and, and just be better. Like, you know, if, if I blow... 17 things in one night in my office just blow it all to shit i'm going to lose my job and i'm not even saying you need to lose your job but you 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 know i don't know if that action is some type of penalty maybe you're not allowed to like for example maybe you're not allowed to call you know balls and strikes you're just primarily designated to being um on the field like i don't know what that level of accountability needs to be taken or action that needs to be taken i should say against some pirates they'll be held to that accountability but it, it it's one of the things that makes baseball my favorite sport i love the human element um I just wish guys could be better. And I think guys can be better. That's that's another thing, too. I do think that level of consistency can be there, too. So within reason, this this genuinely will be the last point on this, because, again, I, I know you and I are going to sit here and talk about umpiring <laughs> for three hours. Um, um social media. <laughs> so. <clears throat> I, again, keeping emotion in, in a game that is rather emotionless for stretches of time i don't like the quick trigger that umpires have i believe that there is a duty of the players and managers and crowd to hold you accountable in some capacity and to let you know you know what when you know bryce harper strikes out three times in a night like even though he's bryce harper he's going to get a couple chirps and a couple boos it is what it is someone is holding him accountable and saying that ain't enough do better be better just like what you're saying now bryce harper doesn't get to sit there and just you know kyrie irving it and flip people off and say go you know go screw yourself whatever you come down here and do it no he's got to go back in the dugout review some film well he doesn't review film but go back into the into the dugout do what he needs to do come back out and try to have a better at bat the next uh, plate appearance right umpires have this autonomy now that you can say something that the TV and visual audience can't just sit there and, and grasp and you're thrown out. That to me is a way that I do believe you could bring more people in and you would begin to hold people more accountable. Don't allow for such a quick trigger of an ejection. There's no reason for it. No one's violently getting in anyone's face anymore. That doesn't really exist. That might happen once every couple weeks, you know, a manager really loses their shit. But I think what you primarily get is a guy who's going to toss his helmet in frustration, slam a bat down, or just show up a little attitude. That shouldn't warrant ejection. 
I think we should embrace that. I think we should embrace that. You got to be kidding me. That's a dog shit call. Is that something that you feel like so long as there is a level of accountability where the fan base can see, at least they're not just Joe Girardi and taking it. They're leaning into this guy. They're making his life a little hell. And now he's, which I know sounds terrible as we're sitting here just saying, you should be able to bash an umpire. Fuck those guys. They're not human beings. But in all reality, they hold entirely too much power in this game, in my opinion. And I do believe that when we can't see the accountability that may be had behind closed doors, it would be nice to know that there could be a level of accountability on field that we can see without the threat of losing a superstar in the first inning. Well, like I said, it all goes back to thinking it's the umpire show. I mean, guy, like I feel like part of the problem is you're right. They do have too much autonomy over the game. If look back at like that that time Joe West was in a pissing match with Madison Bumgarner, at any point in time, if if Madison Bumgarner really popped off, Joe West could have just ejected him, and that's that. You're, you, my my problem's gone for the night. Get on out of here. It it just they, they don't. I feel like when they're up there, and this could be another reason on why they're just so content with making so many mistakes. They don't care. Yeah. They they just don't care. Like up, oh, I I missed a call. You want to give me shit for it? You want to you want to tell me I can't see? You want to call me an ass at? Go go take a shower. That's that. And it's just it's just you're absolutely right. There needs to be some level of of let people say their piece, let people air out their frustrations and once again, maybe fucking listen to them and be better. Um, But you're absolutely right, Shane. They just have too much autonomy and it just allows them to be pompous asses. Pompous asses. That is the umpiring world. Um. (laughs) Let's talk Bryson Stott for a second. Uh, Joe Girardi, Bryson Stott in the, the front office of the Philadelphia Phillies. So I feel like almost across the board, the handling of rookie and or, or you know early career players and prospects in Philadelphia sports, they're handled very poorly. It felt like they got this one right. The guy hit at every level he's a a plus defender can play all over the diamond for you in in bryson stott and they got it right and they said you've earned your spot on the opening day roster and i also think they got it right in saying you're not the every day but you're going to play most days whether we're giving dd the spell at short whether that whether we're giving gene which by the way you can't take off the field i'm still a little annoyed he's not playing tonight despite his age and his lower body issues always he is legitimately your best position player on the field right now which is ridiculous um but regardless he's going to be on the field in some capacity he starts off the season hitting really well he's hitting the ball opposite field he's playing good defense he's versatile for you he's and inevitably not unlike the entire freaking offense, mind you, he went cold, but he goes cold and he doesn't get thrown back in the lineup and he sits there for four days. Didi gets hit by a pitch and he sits there and granted, you can't take Johan Camargo out. He's white hot, you know, to start this year for, for a utility man, but you just sit him there. And now he gets sent back down to AAA uh, in favor of a Roman Quinn call up, mind you. Who do you think this is on, and do you agree with it? Do you believe that, like, the short fuse and to say, you know what, 
we're going to send him down, let him get consistent at bats back down at AAA. What do you think that does to a, to a young player who makes the opening day roster? And then from that, how do you think it's going to impact him coming back? Well, it's, I, I think in the long run, you know, young players are sent up, you know, brought up, sent down. I, I don't know if it necessarily sinks his career or anything like that. Like, I don't think it's going to do anything like that, obviously. But I, what what I just don't like is there's no consistency with it. You know, Joe Girardi said that he can make playing time work for all of Johan Camargo, Bryson Stott, and Alec Bohm, and he clearly hasn't been able to to manage those guys adequately to get them all that that playing time that they need. And, and once again, the short lease with Stott, GD Gregorius is most likely. I, I do not think at all going to be on this team by the like, at the end of the year. Like whether he finishes on this roster or not, he's done after this season. You could probably say Gene Segura could be the same case unless they pick up his option. But that's another thing, too, that you need to, um, you know, really think about if he's going to be here as well. Bryson Stott is most likely going to be here. He is the future. So I understand he struggled, but he only got 30 major league at-bats, I'm pretty sure. So what are we talking about here? And the bottom line is he needs to play. He needs to play, and he needs to play every single day. That is how a guy breaks these types of slumps. So what is Joe Girardi doing ensuring that everyone else gets playing time? And I understand, like like, like we talked about with the hot hand with Camargo, and obviously Didi hasn't been swinging a bad bat at all either. Um, but, but you said that this could work, that you as a manager could make this work. And doing him the disservice of not playing him is not beneficial to him. So it's one of those it's it's like you you know you're damned if you do you're damned if you don't you're damned if you leave him on the bench and keep him on the big league roster but you're damned if you send him down too cuz it's almost an omission of you, you not being yeah. able to make it work right now um I I think it, it is tough just because of how well the other three guys have been playing it does kind of leave him as the odd man out but for God's sakes, like it's just another case of Joe Girardi not knowing how to to manage a young player. Yeah, look, I I agree. Um, you know, I I don't. Maybe in hindsight, despite my thinking that, <laughs> oh my God, it's the cronut. Say hi. Hey. We ordered a little food, and Mary Kate ran out to grab it for us real fast. So I. Oh, look at that. Uh, we, got, yep. we got our first guest of the pod. Guest of the pod, Margo. How do you feel about Joe Girardi today? He stinks. There it is. Great insight, Margo. Great insight. Thanks for coming <laughs> on. Mwah. <laughs> oh, biscuits, mini biscuit out there. Love it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Fatherhood has been kind to me. There you go. Um, so, yeah, look, I, I agree. And and one thing you mentioned, you know, you're saying you need consistent everyday baths. That's how you get out of this out of this grind. And in that response, sure, he goes to AAA. Um, I, it's it isn't it isn't necessarily sending him down to get more at bats. It's the fact that you got to a place that you had to send him down to yes. get more at bats. That to me is the issue. The response yes. is what it is. He's going down. It sucks. Uh, it's tough, in my opinion, to watch another uh, another uh, prospect piece kind of be jerked around a little bit here. Well, that, that's well, that's the thing, you know. It, it's like it, it's like 
you're trying to do two things here. You're trying to have your young guys come up and become the everyday, like, you know, everyday big league players that we expect them to be. And you're also trying to get to the playoffs for the first time in, in 10 seasons. Like you have two missions and sometimes both of those missions just don't align because younger players are going to struggle. It's inevitable. It's going to happen. It happens to every player at some point. There's going to be ups and downs. And it just feels like, you know, you're, you're trying to build that future and continuously, you know, make this roster the, the, the most sound that it could possibly be. But when those players who you think are going to get you there are struggling, it's like, well, you also have to keep up with games and you also have to play the hot hand. So it's kind of like it's a tough it's a tough line to kind of walk, I think. And I think there's a good manager out there who can do it. Hell, there's plenty of managers who I think can do it. But Joe Girardi is not one of them. He wants to come in with his guys, his veterans, the people who he's like are, are his, you know, winning players in his mind. And he just wants to run with them. And, and you know, uh, this team just can't play. Like, that's not how we're built. That's not how our young players are going to thrive. They need that playing time. And Joe Girardi just can't manage that. So here's the thing. Now more than ever in baseball, you really don't matter as a manager. With with the universal DH out there, like you just have to not lose your team games. You're not re- you're not even responsible for winning teams games any longer. Like you're not strategically out there doing all these things. Like you set a lineup card and you make a couple pitching changes, but it doesn't impact lineups. Like like it's just mm-hmm. any ass hat can go out there and do what they do right now. So. All you have to do is not cost your team, not set your organization back. And it feels like he routinely does both of those things. Uh, I I do not have faith in this man, in this era of baseball. I don't, I just don't. And which is amazing. Found all his success, most of his success anyway, in the American league where all you had to do was show up. And he did with an unbelievable roster that did it for him. We're not the 2009 Yankees. We're just fucking not like it just. You just can't just such a like, I I just don't. He's so stuck in his ways. Like he's like, he's like, like like for, for a guy who's not considered necessarily to be an old school manager. He kind of feels like it to me because he has no like like no desire to change. Like it still feels like he's stuck on like the 2017 Yankees and Didi Gregorius still has an 800 OPS. And, you know, you can just kind of half ass manage your way around to greatness. But you just don't have that luxury anymore. You have to put the work in. And, and I just don't I think part of it, too, was. You know, I feel like when it comes to the Phillies, sometimes you, you I, I feel like people, they see dollar signs, they see big market, they see, you know, people who are want to win. And I felt like maybe Joe had a different perception of what he was walking into. But like, you got to show up here, dude. Like, you weren't just going to be able to kind of. I just find know, him unlikable, like as a human being. I hate his I see, I don't. I, I don't necessarily find him like, like I, I, I think he's a nice guy. Like, I don't think he's like, I think he's a little pompous sometimes, but I think, you know, that's just like, like, I don't think he's necessarily a bad dude. Let me Um, tell you this. So I don't mean to cut you off, but here, uh, everyone 
at this point knows I was very pro Gabe Kapler. Um, you know, I mean, look, for God's sakes, our, our, our podcast at one point was named in Cap We Trust, right? That was a couple networks ago. Um, we went from, and like, and I, I, I believe that there is like, like, I, I know that like, there's not like logically, I know that this doesn't matter, but in my head, I'm like, I feel like this matters and I don't know what it is and I can't always adequately explain it, but here it is. Gabe Kapler is a handsome fucking man. He's got those cool ass aviator shades, like an asshole in there. And he's just got the sexiest fucking voice. Right. And so then you have, butter. it's amazing. It's like butter. His voice is, uh, yeah, he, he, and he's, it's, he's a, it's incredible. It's like the Barack Obama effect. He, he could say anything. And I'm like, I'm listening. Like, go ahead, go on, sir. You're an, you're an amazing public speaker. And then you have this weasel Girardi who just looks and sounds like, like a, a nerd. Weasel. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just not about it, man. I, I don't want to go from this beautiful ass Gabe Kapler into this weaselly little, uh, Joseph Girardi I'm done I can't stand it um and I know there's no logic to that I just I feel like I just want a cool manager right I just I just want someone that 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 gets it um and I felt like Gabe did and I don't he would have never done what he's doing in in San Fran here um you need to lose your first job and and learn from it um to be able to go and do what he's done and doing in San Fran but I digress. Let's move to the offense real quick. Um, you know, we're, we're approaching the hour because if it's just you and I talking, we usually go long. <laughs> um, <laughs> we don't, we don't have someone better here to hold us accountable. Miss you, Andrew. Hope you're calling a good game tonight. Um, but, uh, let's talk the offense. So it has been, let me tell you this. So I have to, I have to rewatch games now, not rewatch. I have to watch games later now. Mm-hmm. and not in real time that's how the offense is is lively it's like i have to sit there and like even if i just like not not tivo what's the word called now I'm, that that's a very old thing to say tivo jesus christ <laughs> whatever like you know what i'm talking about you tape the game for a little yeah, bit yeah right 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 yeah you know, that DVR. I, that's the one dvr thank you biscuit so here's the thing i like i have to sit there and dvr it and start it 15 or 20 minutes later. So I'm not exactly watching in real time. And like, that's what I have to do most nights because that's the only way the offense produces. That being said, the offense finally is starting to kind of, you know, swing the bat a little bit here. Right. Now here's the thing. It just seems like we never play the current era of baseball offensively. We're stringing together singles, throwing a couple slap doubles in there. Right. Not a ton of just abundance of power. We're built that way. We're not doing it. Are you concerned at this point? Thank you. I'll turn around and watch this in 10 seconds. Um, are you concerned at this point that <clears throat> we're not seeing that kind of boom factor in terms of the power and that we're not always going to be able to string together 8, 10, 12 hits and 6 walks a night? Slightly, I have a little. I take a little bit of solace in, in, in knowing that it's not the Phillies; it's down all over the place. 
Sure. So I think as, you know, guys continue to, you know, get more in a groove and as the weather obviously gets nicer and nicer, things will start picking up. The ball style start traveling a little bit more. Um, and I feel like right now, to your point, Shane, I feel like instead of the three true outcomes that we thought like type of offense, we thought this team was going to be, they need to resort to a little bit more of that small ball, keep the line moving offense to kind of keep pace right now. So I, I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. I think I like the fact that it, they've, change their approach a little bit like you see guys running more you know getting guys you know um stealing bags um i i think it's you know while it's not maybe what you expected i like the fact that they're adapting a little bit more and you're starting to see signs of life so it's certainly helping and it's certainly not a bad thing right now um so, you know, while you want more home runs, you want more big hits, you want, you know, those big three-run home runs and, and the grand slams, um, I like the fact that right now it's not just them getting guys on and coming up short, striking out. I like that they're, you know, getting those hits. They might not be big hits, but they're, they're scoring runs, so it's good enough for me right now. Most importantly, they're winning games. Yeah. Absolutely. And at a time where they desperately need to keep winning games as they currently sit second to last in the division. Um, and again, early on, but still not a place not you want to see your team. Right. right? Especially a, when you have especially when you have the, the New York Mets, uh, I think, with the best record still in baseball. Yeah. And, um, you know, and you're defending World Series yeah. champs ahead of you. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, it's tough. The Miami Marlins who just make you look like a bitch. Um, they're Always. ahead of you. Yeah, well, they're ahead of the Braves too, um, but uh, yeah. So I, I mean, it's it's tough. One thing I will say is when when watching this offense, I do feel a little nostalgic in the point of I feel like up and down the lineup there are just very good bat to ball guys. Like Gene is going to make contact a ton, and he's going to be a free swinging dude, and he can put, he can spray the baseball, and that's great. Bryce is just I, while he has 30, 40 home run power in him, he's also definitely a really smart hitter and he could just take the ball where it's pitched and, and do damage with it in some way. Alec Bohm, Castellanos, um, two guys that t- to me are just elite bat to ball guys. Um, just it, 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 I mean, Bohm sprays the ball a little more with less authority. God damn it, Birdie, what happened? Um, nothing. It was a foul. Fair enough. Um, but, uh, so my earlier question to kind of respond to my own thing, I think they can kind of keep pace playing a little bit older school of a game. Yeah. Simply because of the amount of bats that just can make strong contact and take the ball where it's pitched. You you kind of look at this as like a West coast type of offense where you sit there and, you know, on the football field and and you're just taking what the defense gives you. It's, is it the sexiest way to win games? No. Do you wish you were taking the top off defenses and, and, and just blowing things off the, uh, off the water? Absolutely. But right now that just ain't it. And these guys are, are when right are just taking pitches where they're, where they're thrown uh, and doing just enough damage. Um, and uh, and I do think it's really encouraging to see because I do believe that that is the type of thing that as that sexiest face I've ever seen you make, as that <laughs> continues on, I think that makes it harder for pitchers to pitch to you 
because eventually if you start stringing together a lot of these games where it just feels like pitchers are always pitching with runners on base, they're going to get a little too fine. They're going to take a couple more risks than what they normally would in different places. And that's when those power bats are going to start coming. Yeah. So I agree, man. Um, And I'm excited for what the offense is starting to show a little more of. Um, So before we wrap this up, let's go to, obviously we got to close out this series here. Um, But I want to kind of fast forward to to the series against the, the New York Mets, right? This is a series that Andrew believed that if the Phillies were not in a place uh, that the organization felt comfortable with or in a direction that they were felt comfortable with, the end of that Mets series could be it for Joe Girardi. Um, I'm curious as to, to if you believe that's still a viable thing or at this point, Girardi kind of feels safe. I don't think so. I, I, I've had a couple of different opinions on this. I don't think Girardi's going to get canned unless they're I, – I would be – even if they – even if let's say they get swept in the Mets series, I would be surprised unless they're 10, 15, 20 games under 500, so many games out of the division. I think we really need to see it fail one more time before they make that decision, which frustrates me for a couple reasons. One, because I just don't think Joe Girardi's the right guy. Mm-hmm. And two, because I don't want to see this season be a failure. Like, obviously, it's still very early and there's a pathway to succession. But if there's, you know, a change that needs to be made, you almost want it to happen before things get too out of hand and the season's lost. Um so I, 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 I'd be shocked if he got fired in season in general because I don't think they're going to completely – God, I, I'd be fucking miserable if they did. I, I don't think they'll completely bottom out. I still – you know, I think at the worst-case scenario for this team, they're going to do what they've been doing the last couple of years. They're going to be I mediocre. They're going to hang in there just to kind of, you know, piss you off and get you irritated. And then, you know, September's going to come around and they're going to fall out of it to a slightly better team. Um that's just kind of their MO. That's what you've literally seen for the last four years. I don't think I've seen anything too significant at this point to make me think we'll see anything too different. Um, but I don't think Joe Girardi's tenure is going to be over if uh, by, by the end of the weekend, even if the Mets series is an ideal. Kind of agree, uh, specifically because of what the offense has been able to start to string together and the starting pitching start to kind of, look like a, an actual rotation mm-hmm. um you know and not unlike not unlike what i feel like with the 76ers tonight who uh you know go into to their game six game which is gross that we're even it's tonight here. game six it's tonight or tomorrow actually now that i think about it i think it's tonight not that it matters um i i actually believe that it, it would behoove this organization long term to be the first nba team to lose uh, a three nothing series lead so that we never have to see Doc Rivers again. I think he's so arrogant and just not a good coach, a completely overrated man on the bench. And I kind of feel the same thing about Girardi. Like I actually would not, I think that like, while I would have hated this time and all of April to sit here and and be legitimately in the bottom of not just the division, but like the bottom tier of all of baseball for the entire month and just said, good. It behooves us to have this month if the decision was made to move on from Girardi, because I believe that with five months remaining, 
someone can come in here and make a legitimate difference. Do I believe that they can make that difference in four months? Maybe. But I think that five month thing is like when when all of baseball is still figuring it out this year, especially in the a weird off season that we had. Like I just think that sooner rather than later really would have made a big difference. Um, and I just don't get the feeling at this point that is something that is a, a legitimate option any longer for for the organization. As sad as that makes me. Um, but again, anytime you get to play the Mets, um, it, it's a big deal. And, and knocking out two series. Um, early on in, in April do these games matter um you know we we've obviously started off horrendous against the division um and it's the first opportunity to to kind of make make a little bit of run back so uh just without looking too too far ahead uh what do you think uh the outcome of this series against the New York Mets will be I mean what you got to to finish the month at 500, they're what eight and ten right now. Mm-hmm. So you basically have to only lose one more game throughout the rest of the weekend to to be at 500. So you have to take two or three from the Mets, win the fucking series. You know, like I, I'm sorry, man. Like the Phillies, they they the two biggest things that frustrate me about the Phillies is just how sometimes they don't get big hits with runners on, and two they play like ass on the road. Go into New York, mm-hmm. have a big series, take two or three, you know, come out of the month at 500, and go from there. You know, start from there. Um, you know, you, the Met, it's just tough because you, the the Mets are home. Their starting pitching has been elite so far. You're getting you're going to see um, I don't know if it's Miguel or Megal or however you say his first mm-hmm. name, but he's, you know, look like DeGrom 2.0 ever since DeGrom's went down. And then you're also going to see Max Sunday night. So, you know, that's going to be a fucking headache because he just destroys that. I, I feel like I've never seen Max Scherzer pitch a bad game against the Phillies, even though when, even when he no, pitches a bad game in the lineup. So, you know, we'll have a couple home runs against him for no reason. It's the only guy that hits him. It's bizarre. And you know what? Like as much as I hate Odubel, get under his skin, man, because like he's just he he's entertaining when he's mad too. I think oh, that's yeah. what I like about him. He's he's a very animated uh, guy. Um, but take two or three, dude. Get get us back to five hundred, and let's let's start to get this thing cooking in May. There you go. Well, that's gonna do it for tonight's episode. Uh, f- for Andrew, who is not here, we have Biscuit. Biscuit, why don't you just throw your uh, social media plug in there? Twitter. I couldn't remember the fucking platform we use. Twitter. At, throw your at Twitter Bros of Biscuit. There we go. Um, <laughs> uh, you guys can get me on Twitter. It's at Shane underscore Mead. Uh, I, we are also, let me try to think. It's at Gentleman underscore Pod is the other one for those of you who are asking. Um, I know we don't have a Twitter account uh, that we use, but we're trying. So uh, you guys can get us over there. We have the Gentleman and Lady podcast that drops on the first of the month over there. Um, so that will be a bi-weekly, um, a bi-weekly show that goes out first and 15th of every month. You can get me Monday nights every Monday with Brotherly Pod. And then here, obviously, with the only show that really matters of the three. And the So You Think You Can Manage podcast. So think you can manage. We'll see you guys next week.